Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We're the only country that comes up with a name for fun. Crack. It's blackguarding. It's scutting. It's no harm. 55 euros straight out of my account. So they have my money and I have no test. Sad time for all these people. And it's always a good-hearted person to change them. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96FM. It's a strange story in, in New York, getting stranger, I think, with every new development. It was around yesterday afternoon when it broke. This story started to come down all the various news outlets and wires about Harry and Meghan and a two-hour, supposed two-hour car chase trying to get away from the paparazzi and it, it sounded like a huge story and an almost they said an almost catastrophic car chase it's a very very odd story given that the mayor of New York is is asking questions I would find it hard to believe that there was a two-hour high-speed chase that would be I find it hard to believe there you go that's a strange one your thoughts are welcome on that. What's going on there? Strange couple. I, I absolutely say that without fear of contradiction. Well, I'll be contradicted, but I'll stand over a weird couple. A very strange couple, if you ask me. That's their latest adventure. Come back to it if you want to. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. Straight away off the bat, David says, uh, Hi, and it's great to see the pride flag flying high over Collins Barracks this morning. The first time ever. We've got a picture of it, actually. Yeah, a little bit of video. There it is, the pride flag over Collins Barracks for the first time anyone can remember. That is that is nice to see. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. If you have any thoughts on that, or 083 396 96 96. We started to get loads more, loads more of your animal stories from yesterday. <laughs> I might come back to them with some help or at least hopefully help, for Alex. Remember the man who's just home from the UK after seven years working on the buildings over there and he's got nowhere to live and he can't get an address to start him off to get somewhere to live and he's frustrated and annoyed and was on the phone with me yesterday. We might have some help for him a little bit uh, later. There was another story last evening. I mentioned the pride flag up at the, the, the army barrack. And then while that's being hoisted over our local army barrack, the pride flag, you've got appalling behaviour up in County Meath. Oh! This this young, young lad getting an awful beating. He's only 14. Severe facial injuries, head injuries. I think his teeth are broken. Split lip, everything. Even uh, the T-shirt now getting involved in this discussion to try to send out a message to him that, you know, life will get better. It's an awful, awful thing. Um, and very distressing videos on social media. And they're still up there. And social media hasn't taken them down yet. While all of that was going on, uh, around the country, up the country, and it's in all your newspapers this morning. Pictures of it and comment about it in all of your newspapers uh, this morning. Particularly seeing as the Taoiseach has given his ten cents worth on it, and and well he might. We got contacted yesterday then by Rebecca. Now Rebecca sent us on some very upsetting 
video, three videos in fact, of an incident involving a young lad at a school in County Cork. Now we're going to, we have the location, we have the name of the school, uh, we know where this happened, we have the video evidence to show it, but we're not going to identify it. But there were very, very upsetting videos that Rebecca uh, sent us um, of bullying in a schoolyard. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, PJ. How are you? Like, I mean, I can't even begin to see how upset and distraught that I actually am to see what's actually happening in schools. Hmm. The videos speak for themselves, PJ. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it was just no need for it. We're in 2023. I actually thought all of this would be kind of actually, so to speak, stopped. But like, there was a gang and they just picked on one one boy. And that poor boy now, he's just very upset now. He won't even go to school now unless his friends are in school. You know, he's absolutely terrified. For listeners who haven't seen the video, and, and we won't be showing them because they will identify the lad, describe what's yeah. in them. So in the very first video, they had him on his knees. One boy put his fist into the fellow on his knees' face and made him kiss his fist twice and say such and such is boss. Okay, so that was the first video. They were all laughing. There is, I don't know how many of them were there. Mm. Um, and in that area, they knew there was CCTV footage on that area. Okay. And then the second video, they made him get up, go over to an area where they knew there was no CCTV footage. Right. They made him go back on his knees and asked him, did you text such and such a girl that you want to get back with her. The boy in his knee said yes, and then he got two boxes straight into the side of the face. I saw it, Rebecca. That's horrifying to see. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's very upsetting, PJ, do you know what I mean? When I saw the second video of him close up and seeing his face and being so vulnerable, PJ, there was no one around him. Like, my question was, where was the teachers in the schoolyard? Where, where were they? Let's be very clear. This is in the schoolyard. What what time of the day? Is it break time? Yeah, it was at around lunchtime, yeah, where they're all out together. And I'll tell you this, Paige, not one teacher knew about this. The boy's father actually went in Monday morning to say, my boy has been assaulted here in your school last Friday. And the school then said, knew nothing about it and there was one teacher there and he said that he was on the school premises till 6 30 the evening of the assault and he knew nothing about it and these videos are circulating on tiktok um pj yeah they were up on tiktok um for three hours and then tiktok then took them down due to violence um these boys and girls they use snapchat as a as a social platform you know yes yes um, so a lot of stuff has been shared through Snapchat and I don't know who put it up on TikTok, but it was up on TikTok then. And when the lad's father complained to the school and the teacher said, look, we, we must accept them at their word, I suppose. The teacher said they knew nothing about it. What happened then? So they actually checked the CCTV footage and saw a big massive cluster of um, kids there inside in the air. They saw, that, they saw it happening. And then... Um, the boy's father then showed the teachers the videos that he got sent to the weekend of, of his boy being assaulted. Mm-hmm. And the teachers were absolutely horrified. And they said, 
their words were PJ. Them videos shouldn't have been taken. Where did you get them? And then the boy's father said, well, I'm glad they were taken, he said, because I have proof of what's after happening in here, he said. Yes. And then one particular teacher said, did this boy provoke the other boy? Like, did he provoke it by saying or doing something to the other boy? Hang on. So these videos, and a stress to listeners, I've seen them. They have perfectly identifiable school uniforms. Any teacher would have known this is in your school yard. Mm-hmm. And they said, what did he do to provoke it? They, they yes. never said, oh, my God, that's a terrible thing to be happening. We know mm-hmm. who those kids are because they're all identifiable. We know who those kids are. We'll confront yep. none, none of none of the youngsters that, that you know of, at least, or that the, the boy's father, none of them have been confronted about this, no? So what I know of is the teachers then suspended two of the boys and they're on a report card. And that was it. Not one teacher approached that boy and asked him, is he okay? Is there anything that they can do for him? Mm-hmm. They did absolutely nothing. It's appalling. It really is appalling. It's very upsetting, PJ, yeah. I've spoken to my listeners before about my own school days. And when I look at those videos, I'm 14 again and I'm being bullied in my schoolyard Rebecca. Yeah. So this is yeah. this is affecting me very, very deeply. And what, what I'm worried now, PJ, is that like that boy didn't even approach his parents or his family of what happened. Hmm. He was terrified because they threatened that if he did, that they would catch him out outside of school and do worse. So he was petrified, PJ. So the only reason that anybody found out about it was another... Another concerning parent went to the boy's father and said, do you realise that such and such is after being assaulted in school? Someone obviously saw the videos, did they? Yeah, they showed him then. They showed the boy's father on the videos. It's, it's appalling. It's a, it really, yeah. I, how is he now? I know, he, I know he's known to you. We're not identifying him. He's known yeah. to you. How is he? Yeah, he is. Like, PJ, he's, he's terrified to go to school, PJ. He's like, he's... He won't go to school now on certain days that his that he knows his friends aren't going to be in school. He just won't go. He is absolutely terrified. You know, like I mean, said nobody should go through this, and like I, I just pray and please for anybody that is going through any of this type of bullying, just speak up. There's people out there to help and support you, no matter what it is. You know that kind of way. I know. Like even though, like he says, he's fine. I'm worried then in case, like, you know, I mean, say you, you see um, young kids there and they're taking their own lives now today, do. PJ. Do you know that kind of way? Oh, you do. I, I've spoken to their devastated parents afterwards, do you know? Yeah. And as you said, it, it, that brings you back to your 14 and it still affects you to this day. It does. You know? It does. And I've said this before to listeners, Rebecca, I still remember what was done to me when I was yeah. 14. You'll never forget it, like? Never. And I know that this young lad will carry that scar to manhood and and it makes me so angry. Yeah, like he's been called, he's been name called inside in school. Like he's only in first year for flip's sake, you know, the kind of way he has like another what four years to go inside in that school. And come back no. again to the reaction when when the boy's father showed them the video. Yeah. They were more concerned about how he got the video. Yes. For God's yeah. sake. And did did the boy um say or do something to provoke this? 
that's just appalling. Like it's nearly what two weeks now, whatever since since it happened, and not one word from them. You know, to say like to, they didn't even approach the boy. They didn't say, "Are you okay?" You know, nothing. Absolutely nothing. The boy's parents did approach the board of management, and they asked. You know, they told him the story, and it's only since then the school rang the boy's parents. How did that conversation go? Um, so they got the phone call to ask how was the boy and the parents were like you're asking us now mm-hmm. you know the boy is actually in your school under your care why don't you go up and ask him you know yeah. it was only because now because they got reported by the board of management that they're after contacting the parents you know I, I just think more needs to be done PJ like I mean say suspension and a report card isn't going to stop this it's absolutely. It's like a, a week's holiday for them. You know the kind of way they're out of school for the week. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, I think the rules should be changed. You know they're so backdated. They're so oh, they're so what, old. What do you think should be should happen? Like uh, in my opinion, right? Because going from me being bullied as well as a youngster inside in school, right? I I do personally think that everybody that was inside and was associated in that circle should have been put in a room with all of the adults, their parents next to them. Because a lot of them parents don't even know what's after happening. Fair point. Like, that boy's parent, right, didn't even see the videos. The lad doing the, the Yeah, the lad that, yeah, yeah, the, she didn't even see the videos. You know, until another person showed, like, I'll be honest, I showed him to her. And what was her reaction? She was shocked. She was appalled. She was like, I didn't see the videos. And I, she goes, I just heard about it. And like you say in your message to us, like this is what kids are doing for a laugh. Oh, they they listen. They think they are the bee's knees, you know. And that's the reason I contacted yourselves, PJ, because I want to I want to get this highlighted. I don't want kids to be afraid to come and talk to people. This is what's happening, to me. Rebecca, please tell this young lad that that I'm thinking of him, and I have a particular personal reason for thinking yes. of him and I hope he'll be okay yeah. I do too and you know what I'm hoping because he knows that we're all supporting him we're here for him you know that and we're going to try our best not for this for this to not happen again you know Rebecca you have a good day thanks a million Fiji for that oh oh I'm doing this job a long time and uh, those stories come out all the time very few very very seldom you'll have someone brave enough like Rebecca to come and actually talk about it. Most people are afraid of retribution and, and all of that. Uh, but um, And then, of course, you have that awful incident up the country, which is on all your newspapers this morning. Someone pointing out, some media referring to the 14-year-old in County Meath as a young man. Uh, and, in fact, please, can we use the correct word? The person is a child. Happy to note that. I certainly wouldn't refer to a 14-year-old as a young man. Youngster, maybe, but young man, no. 14-year-old as a child. Kate says these bullies are sick people. I think if there were more guards around, there would be a lot less of this going on in places like public parks, which is true, Kate. But these videos were taken, the ones that were sent to us were taken in a schoolyard. So we can't necessarily... But your point is... Absolutely correct. 0818 96 96 96. Get ready 
to meet the Cork's 96FM Street Fleet. Heading your way soon. Join the Street Fleet this Sunday, May 21st, for the Clayton Hotel Silver Springs Wedding Venue Viewing Afternoon. Enjoy a one-to-one consultation with their wedding executive, Megan, and experience this magnificent venue as it would be on your wedding day. Meet the fleet at the Clayton Hotel Silver Springs this Sunday from 2. Let Clayton put the sparkle into your big day. ClaytonHotelSilverSprings.com with Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. And as we were talking to Rebecca uh, yesterday uh, um, about this, uh, before speaking to her on air, uh, the other story uh, was breaking from up the country in in County Meath. Now that's just, I don't know what that come on lads is. That come on lads stop or come on lads get stuck in. I don't actually know, but either way, it's a very distressing clip. It's of a 14-year-old lad being beaten up by a big gang. Uh, Purely, we understand purely because he's gay. Shocking. It's all over your newspapers. The Taoiseach has commented on it. And it's one of the big, and rightly so, one of the big uh, national news stories today, the fact that this is still going on. Padraig Wilson is a teacher from Cork, but based in Dublin and the host of the Voice Note podcast. Padraig, good morning. Morning, PJ. Very distressing. As a, as a teacher in a school, do you come across much much bullying day to day? You know, even just listening back to the clip there, PJ, it's, it's so upsetting to, to listen to. I, when I watched it yesterday, I genuinely, like, for, like, I saw it kind of before the news had broken. I saw it on Twitter and it, it felt like it was a reenactment. It was like one of those videos that you would use to teach children about how not to behave. Um, unfortunately, it, it is something that, you know, that, that is, it is seen. It, we felt like it was getting better for a long time in this country, I think. Um, you know, the marriage referendum was obviously a huge um Step step in the right direction, but unfortunately, what we're seeing, what we, what we feel like is it's it's like a, putting a, a plaster over an open wound, mm-hmm. um, and that you know it's you know we were so proud of ourselves, but actually it wasn't getting to the root of the problem at all, um, and these attacks are happening all across society, and it, it's it feels as though that they're more common than ever. Um, uh, I hear about them all the time. We see them in the news. We, we, we they're, they're 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 being underreported. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are definitely happening, and, and I, I feel like they're becoming more uh, more common than ever. Are you saying, Padraig, or suggesting that there's a lot of homophobia in our schools? There, well, like, there, there. Do you know what? Um, I thought the sc- that schools were, were doing were, were were doing better. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, until you see a video like like what we saw yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, it it doesn't it, it like I. I think the young, the youth today are more accepting than maybe the, the older generations, um, but these behaviours, you know, that we're seeing, like that, that's stemming from, you know, like a lot of these children are, are learning this behaviour from home too, you know, so it needs to start from yes. the top. Yes, yes. I've, I've long been of the view, Padraig, almost going back to when I was bullied myself many years ago. A bully is not born, a bully is made. 
100%. You know what I mean? I, I, and I've, I've spoken to you before um, on similar issues. Um, and I, and, I, and I, what I said the last time was, you know, these are learned behaviours. You know, when, when the child is born or when they start school, they don't see anyone as different. They just see see, see the other person as someone that they can play with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these these attitudes and these opinions that they, that they, they form, um, there's something that, that, that's instilled in them over, you know, mm-hmm. as, they, as they're growing up. Because, go back to the marriage referendum, uh, Padraig, and okay, school kids obviously weren't old enough to vote, no. but, but it was the younger voters of Ireland who yeah. drove, didn't they carry it, drove it over the line. Drove it Absolutely. over the line. You know? And it was it was such a huge achievement at the time, and I think I think everyone saw that as a um, as a really proud moment for Ireland because you know we'd seen we'd always been seen as this kind of backward country, you know that we were, we we had to catch up on our views and stuff like that, um, and then for it to pass and for it to pass so significantly was was huge, you know, um, and I think that did an awful lot for for gay people at the time, yeah. um, but like you know even recently I saw I've, like um, I saw I heard of an attack in Dublin where. Where there, there was a young guy on the way home from a night out, and he'd been attacked, totally unprovoked attack, because he was gay. Um, and he went straight to the guard station, and he was left outside the guard station. It was closed, but there was there was guards in there, but the doors were locked for over two hours because they thought he was drunk. Mm. But you know, he was he was bleeding out. You know, and and another thing that I should say is, um, the reason that, that it was an awful shame that it took that video to be posted, because the the child involved, the victim of, of the attack. We'll have to look. We'll, we'll have to know that everyone has seen this video of him now. Mm. But the reason it was posted online was because the school involved and also the guardie had completely brush, brushed it under the carpet. In fact, they had said, um, you know, that they they had other they had more important things to be dealing with, but that they were called to the school during the week. I mean, that's totally unacceptable. And it's you know you know they're there to protect society, yeah. and you know gay people. Um, members of the LGBTQ plus community we're all members of the society and we should be protected we have the same rights as anybody else yeah the, the video shocking though it is I, you're not the first person to say it in the last half a day that we wouldn't even be having this conversation if someone hadn't put that video out there it would have gone as another unreported incident Hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. And like, uh, like, I mean, the people involved, like, the person taking that video was just as guilty as anyone that's thrown a dig. Do you know what I mean? Um, There's a thing. You, There's you, a you, thing, Paddy. Go back on that. Pause on that point. Exact point for a minute. The video is useful because it draws attention to the fact that this happened. And then we pause and we say, but the person who stood by and recorded that video was as bad as the person beating the youngster. The person that took that video, PJ, didn't take it for, for um, to, to, to raise awareness. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah. at all. They took that so that you know they could share it and and further humiliate the person that's been that had been so horrifically beaten up and assaulted. That's Very what fine. that that was the reason. And I, I I don't know. I can't say for certain. I wasn't there. But you know, you were you were asking there. You know about the person that was that was screaming in the background. I think that's the person taking the video. And it sounds to me like they're egging the people who are let's, reading. Let's up. let's let listeners decide. It might 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 be a little might might, might be a little off off base here, Padraig. But let yeah. me just let listeners decide what they think. I don't know, and I don't think you know either. I don't know whether no. this person is egging on the beating or trying to stop. The beating. Let's just listen. This is only 15, 12 yeah. seconds. Here we go. Oh! 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 Come on, lad! 
Come on, lads! Oi, lads! Oi! Oi! That that sounds frighteningly like being egged on to me, doesn't it? It does. Unfortunately, it's, it sounds the same to me. Do you know, I'd like to think, I'd like to think that it's someone screaming, you know, uh, to stop. But I think if you were there and you really wanted someone to stop that badly, you'd get involved a little bit more. I don't think you'd be screaming from the from the sidelines just to, uh, to you know what I mean? Um, it's horrendous. It's 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 one of the one of the worst videos I'd seen in an awful long time. Um, and it's it, what's frightening about it is, um. It could happen to anyone. That that child was literally just coming up. Like they have a right to education, the same as anybody else. And after school, you walk home, you know. And like if like if there's a parent out there, just think of their own child walking home from school and being so like horrifically assaulted, just doing you know the same thing that anyone else does. It's 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 awful. It's it's really awful. And and like I I and like. I, I tweeted yesterday and I said, you know, it's awful that we have to watch it. But I hope that, you know, eventually this child gets some comfort in that there is a conversation being created now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that people, people are going to see this and they are going to talk about it. And we're going to hopefully move in the right direction now following this because it can go on, especially for the youth. This, this, this person is going to be, you know, they're going to need years of help after this. They will carry that scar into manhood. For for forevermore, forevermore. And no so will our young our young man that that Rebecca was talking about. They carry exactly. it exactly. And 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 Podrick, I speak as someone who was bullied, and I carried it into manhood. Yeah, you, of course you do. Like it's something. It's it's a scaring thing. Like and like you know, for a fourteen year old especially, like they're at a very very vulnerable Damn time right in their they lives. Are. You know, right um, t- t- like teenage years are some of the most difficult years for people, and for someone who is, you know, obviously going through the process of coming out and stuff, it's even more difficult because yes. they feel different and they feel isolated yes. as it is. So, for a group of people to come around and absolutely, you know, rip it out of them be- because of that, yeah, uh, take videos shocking. of it and scream at them, um, is just totally unacceptable. And 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 I know that the the people involved are also youth but they, they really need to be held accountable for this. And, and, and an example needs to be set that you know, this can't go on. Come back to the principal, and I think you agree with me, and you're, you're a teacher, so you're far eminently more qualified than I. A yeah. bully is not born. A bully is created. A bully is made. I agree. All I right. agree with you. Good man. Thank you, Podrick. Podrick Wilson, uh, Cork teacher, uh, living and working in Dublin, and host of the Voice Note podcast. Thank you, Podrick. We're getting calls coming in. I knew we would. This is rampant, lads. I think the parents, says this caller, parents should be made to pay for the medical treatment and for compensation for the lad involved in the incident in Meath. No excuses. Someone else asked, what safety protocols are in place now for those boys? Uh, Aubrey says anyone involved should be locked up for six months. I'll go to, I'll go to Sarah on one. We're not going to name any schools or any places now in these, the course of these conversations, just for, for 101 different reasons. Sarah, morning, you were listening to Rebecca. Morning, PJ. Do you know, I was listening to it, and I can tell you now my blood is ready to boil this morning because I went through something very similar myself, and I'm nearly 40 years old, and if these people see me, they'll still chance their arm at mocking me and belittling me and things like that. And, you know, 20 years later, it still hasn't changed. But one thing I'd like to say to Rebecca is well 
done for being her child's voice because it's the only way to get through this mm. because it does damage to people and I, it really worries me with schools as well because I think teachers are in a very difficult predicament mm-hmm. on how they are going to manage it because at the end of the day everyone is just a child but I suppose in my situation it started when I was 10 years old in a small little town in Cork And I'm not going to name the town, but I hear people on your radio station praising this town beyond all regularly. And I think to myself, well, I didn't have a nice experience there because people living in that town made my life a living hell. And Sarah, not that it it matters, and I don't wish to ask the question as if mm -hmm. it did, but why you? I always ask myself the same thing. And do you know something, PJ? I had a counsellor. Um, that I had to go to, um, to to obviously get through some very difficult times. And he compared it to a song, The Rattling Kind Sing All Around the Town. And he said there's a sentence in it that it was like a toxic virus. And that's exactly what it was. They just took an instant dislike to me when I was just a 10-year-old little girl and it continued on right up until I was a teenager into my adulthood. And I just don't understand how our government aren't putting policies in place. There was someone in Trinity College at one point, Professor Mona Moore, and she was advocating for policies to be put in place. And it's just not happening. Schools, what are their bullying policies? Are the parents being informed of these bullying policies? Is it being kind of, I suppose highlighted we do not accept this behaviour. Mm. You look at Anna Kriegel of the country, yeah. she was being bullied whether people want to believe it or not and that resulted in a horrific murder and what people don't realise yeah. is, and it's one thing that really grates on me, is when people use this word banter it, uh, it yeah, drives me yeah, mental yeah. because one negative comment about a person that can affect them for the rest of their life. It can affect their self-worth, it can affect their resilience, and it can affect relationships as they get older in life. And that's what's happened to me, I'll be quite honest. And are, you, are, you, are you saying, Sarah, that you now are still in counselling because of what was done to you as a little girl? Well, what I'd say about it is I go for counselling sometimes. I had to have very intense counselling for it. And I went to an amazing counsellor and it was so good for someone to say, I hear you, Sarah, and I think what happened to you was horrendous. And I sometimes have to go maybe every six months and just for a top up if I'm having maybe a bad day. But I I do think that people don't realise the damage this is doing to people. It's, It's not on. And why should another person make another individual's life a living hell? What do they do to deserve it? They do nothing. There's a good there's a good point to finish. Sarah, thank you very much and I wish you well. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Twenty years or more later, she's still struggling with the memories of what happened to her as a little girl. Enza, will you hold on for me? Enza, will you hold on for me for a couple of minutes till I take a quick commercial break and we'll talk then. Would that be okay? Yeah. Cheers. Oh eight one eight. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Uh, Gary Barlow's after becoming a property developer. That's his new business now. Do you know he's had a couple of businesses? Yeah. He had a, a publishing company. I assume music publishing. He did that new show, Let It Shine. But he also uh, had Organic Wine, which sold over half a million bottles. He had that business where he created uh, pubs for shorter people. Didn't he? 
Barlow. <laughs> Limited. Gary Barlow Limited. Casey and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at no DC cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Corks 96 FM. Enzo, thanks for holding. Hi, good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Hi. Bullying. You say kids aren't safe anywhere. No, literally not anywhere. I mean, we went to a playground in East Cork. I won't mention the the, the name of the playground. Okay. But I mean, my, my daughter's only like three years old and she was, you know, happily climbing up the jungle gym and there were like three or four teenagers on the other side. And I mean, the one was daring the others to kick her. And I mean, like... To kick your little girl? Yeah, just to kick her. Like, And I just thought to myself, like... How does somebody just see an innocent child like that and the first thing that comes to their mind is, let me harm it, you know, like, or let me harm this person? I just, I just, you know, like, it's just beyond me, you know? What did you do? Well, I was actually standing further back, you know, just sussing everything out, and my husband was standing directly behind her. So I didn't do anything. I think I was more in, in shock of what I was actually hearing. And I thought that maybe my husband heard and he wasn't going to entertain it. And he was just going to, you know, he had everything under control. But I mean, when I asked him afterwards, you know, did you hear what they they were saying? And he said, oh, no, he didn't hear anything. And I mean, they could have just literally have come out of like had done it. And he would have not even been able to stop it because it would have just come out of nowhere. You know, and I just I just keep on thinking afterwards, like the damage that could have been done. You know, to the so so there you were with a little three-year-old going up on a climbing frame, and these teenagers were discussing whether which one of them would kick her. Yeah, the, the, the like the biggest one, like he just took one look at her, like he just looked in her direction, and he he like laughed, and then he said to the others, oh, I, "I dare you to kick this kid," and then then the others were like, "No, you," and then he was like, "No, you," and and then I think eventually it was they were just going back and forth. And then they just they just moved on to doing something else. But I mean, like, how is that even a discussion? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I how do, can you course. how can you just look in in a child's direction, and the first thing that comes into your head is you want to hurt you want to hurt that child? Like, that's not normal. Where did they learn that? You wonder. Exactly. Like, like how are they how are they brought up? Yeah, that's a. That's the question, isn't it, Enzo? Yeah, because I mean, but, I mean, I just think to myself afterwards, if the, if one of them had done it, and, I, and they weren't small teenagers, they were actually really big teenagers, like the damage that could have been done, you know? Yeah, shocking. And your husband, yeah. to his credit, he didn't hear anything. Yeah, he was none the wiser. He said that he was so focused on what she was doing that he didn't hear anything. Oh, that's okay, And too. I mean, it could, he, I mean, then I just think, you know, I should have maybe have stepped up. I mean, no, they could no, have turned no. on me as well, you know. No, no well, yeah, that, that, there's that as well. Because if yeah. If, oh. Enza, thank you for that. And uh, that, that was a shocking, shocking experience. So there she is in a playground. Figure this one out. She's in a playground with a little three-year-old jumping onto a climbing frame, as they will. And these teenagers watching, and they're on the climbing frame too, and they actually have a discussion between the two of them who's going to kick her first. Like, hello. Back to schoolyards and that uh, shocking incident in, in County Meath. Terry is saying that the fella shouting in the video sounds like a fella egging on a team 
at a hurling match. That's Terry on Twitter. You're not wrong. I'm going to listen to this one more time because I watched it early this morning. I thought, is he, is he trying to break it up? But the more you listen to it, no, that's not so happening here at all. No, no, it's not. That's like a fellow trying to push Munster over the last metre for a try. Councillor John Maher, good morning. Morning, PJ. How Horrifying, isn't it, John? Oh, PJ, there, there's, there's no words to, to describe it. You know, um, I, the irony was, was that I, I had just finished deputising for the Lord Mayor um, and I spoke about hope. Um, and um, I used a quote from, from Harvey Milk, you know, that hope that all will be all right. Um, for all members of the the LGBTI plus community, mm. and as I was giving that quote, um, as I was giving that quote, the um, this, this this young person was being attacked. Um, now that video that video had gone out. Um, that video had gone out um, across across social media channels, mm. um, and it just makes you realise, you know, that we, you know, we're really not where where we think we are um, in Ireland. I was making the point to Podrick. John, and he's a, he's a teacher. Um, with regard to the the referendum, the equality referendum, that it was the young voters of Ireland. I mean, you know, you campaigned on that, and uh, it was the younger voters of Ireland drove that equality referendum over the line, drove it over the line to coach and horses. No, it did. It but did, what's PJ, happening? If I, I, I suppose, I suppose, PJ, we need we need to be careful a small bit as well. Look, again, I'm a youth leader, thankfully. And I work with some of the most incredible kids um, and teenagers. And I know, I know when something horrific like this happens that, you know, it does scare. Uh, by the way, I'm 40 years of age and, and it shook me. Yeah. I, I, you know, I am scared. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, you know, and even coming on the radio like this, you know, I genuinely was, 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 was doubting myself this morning. But it's something I, I feel I have to do. And I have to do it because for these people that are a lot more scared, that can't come out, that aren't comfortable in their own community, and they need others uh, to come out. And what I would, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd ask everybody that's listening, is that you know, you might, you might be, you might have voted back in in in, in twenty fifteen. One point two million people voted, by the way, PJ. You know, mm. that's a lot of young people and old people and everybody in between. And um, now the young people did drive it, but there was one point two million voted. Um, and I think now, though, what what I said and what I said yesterday as well is that, and at any event I get to speak on is that. The pride flag and, and the rights, it's not like Christmas. We don't put up the Christmas tree and take it down and put it in the attic for 11 months. It's, it's a constant. It's a 12-month thing. It's a year-on-year thing. And we've achieved a lot. And, and by the way, there's a lot more uh, braver and courageous people than, than me. You know, we look in Cork, Arthur Leahy, Siobhan O'Dowd, Kate Moynihan. I'm after leaving out so many people when, when I speak to you, PJ, but, and I'm sure you can add to it, but there's been so many brave people. I think of the great, the late great Dave Roach. Dave Roach, you know, there you go. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think we've achieved a lot. But what I would say to people, you know, I, I hear it all the time. Oh, the flag. First of all, if you're getting offended about a flag, you've got very little to worry about in, in everyday life, you know. Mm. The flag, again, PJ, I think this is something, the flag represents everybody, including the LGBT. 
BTI community, you know. The colours, the red represents light, orange is healing, green is nature, uh, yellow is sunlight, uh, blue is serenity, violet is um, spirit. I mean, tell me anybody that rings your radio show that can't relate to them. Do you know, John, Um, you're the first person in all the years who've gone through those colours for me. Do it again, will you, please? I, I will, and I left out some PJs, so I'll be, I'll be murdered, but I'll go again. But again, red represents life, orange, healing, green, nature, yellow, sunlight, blue, serenity, violet, spirit, the black and brown is people of colour, and the blue, pink, and white is trans people. No, if people that ring the radio show or walk the streets of Cork can't relate to any of those colours and say that one of those colours isn't for them, and they get offended about green for nature, or red for life, or orange for healing, things that we all relate to. I really, really wonder, you know, if that's the biggest thing you have to worry about when we've got young lads up in Navin. And, 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 and as Porig said, they're the people that we're hearing about. That's the stories yeah. that we're hearing they're about. They're the ones that are getting out. In the, on the one hand, the, the taking of the video and sharing of the video was done for all the wrong reasons, it has backfired on the person that did that because we're now discussing it and that is only right that we do. Can I explore something with you, John? Um, and I, I don't want to get too personal here, but you said to me a minute or two ago that you were nervous about taking my call after you texted the show. Now, you are, like you say, 40 years of age. You, you've, you're, you, you've been out for years. You, you're a public representative. Why were you nervous, John? Do you still get crap? You, you you do, PJ, but and I want to be very clear about this, PJ, and I, I do appreciate it. This is not about John Marr. Uh, five and a half years, I, I overcame th- that that challenge for me. But I'll never forget the way I felt back then. And now, every time I get to speak on something like this, or I get to represent, to deputise for the Lord Mayor of Cork City, or turn up to a public event, my biggest concern is the person that was like me five and a half years ago that felt, even though they had all the friends in the world, like, like for my own, I had a house, I had a good job, I had the best friends, I had the best family, but I felt that I had nothing. And that feeling never leaves you. So when I'm addressing or when I'm speaking like this, it's for that person that's at home and, and not necessarily a young person. You can, be, you can be an old, young, gay person. You know, mm. you just might not have come... To, to that realisation. Yeah, there, there's a first generation now, going off topic slightly, but there's a first generation now, isn't there, of people who were able to come out after it ceased to be a crime. I even can't believe I'm still saying that. After I, it ceased P- to be a crime. They're, PJ, they're quite I, old now. I, I opened I opened the interagency uh, um, week-long awareness on Monday in City Hall and I... I, I hit on the, on the opening speech, I hit on the decriminalisation of homosexuality. It was 93. But just, and, and what I said with that was that I was 10. My baby brother was just born. And I was delivering echoes for Pat the Echo Man around the Glen. And I remember reading the headline, you know, it is no longer a crime to be gay. But I do remember as well, as a 10-year-old, and I think this is important, I do remember picking up as you threw in the, 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 the echoes of the conversations going over the walls and all that. And they weren't, you know, they weren't pretty, you know. It was still, mm. it was still, they were still different, you know. Now, we've come a long way since 93, and that's important. But I, I just think we should never take it for granted. 
of where 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 we've come from and where we are now and and the challenge ahead you know um and i believe when when you look at that result the 1.2 million i know people are 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 our allies they're on our side but what i would ask is that you know make a conscious effort the next time is that when it when, when some attack like this does happen that on your social media instead of sharing the video share a pride flag share somebody that you love share somebody that you know maybe don't even share something go in and knock the door and say you're all right yeah. because we know the allies are there we know the support is there and uh, I, I, I finished off um, on on Monday with when I get self-doubt and, and when I become overwhelmed the thing that brings me back all the time is that I know the message of love and inclusion and acceptance is far greater than that of hate. And that's the one, th- and we must never forget that, even in the that's darkest true. of times. That's true. John, can I ask you, lastly, because I opened with it this morning and I had no idea where this conversation was going to go. <laughs> the pride flag is flying over Collins Barracks for the first time ever. How do you, how do you feel with that? I, it's, it's incredible, PJ. And, and, and again, right, not for me. Uh, on, on Monday, I got to raise the pride flag at, at City Hall. Little did I ever know that I would be in that position. But there was a time when I could only walk across the bridge and stand from the other side and watch that flag. So when I see flags fly up and fly high, I think about the person again that can't cross over the bridge, that can't um, enjoy a fantastic event where we celebrate who we are and we celebrate what we're about and we look to the challenges ahead. But I think about that person that from the distance is looking on and that's why the flags are so important. So whether they're flying from a school, a GA club, um, your local pub, your local shop or Collins' barracks, that's the person that we must always be mindful of is the person that isn't ready yet. And, And if they are listening, PJ, the time will come and when it does come, there is a big community here waiting for you and ready to accept you and ready to be friends with you, become friends and get on with you and, and it will become good. All right. John, thank you. That's our councillor, John Maher. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Oh. The Big Drive Home, weekdays from four. On Cork's 96FM. Summertime in Cork. Sounds a little bit like this. Lorraine, I'm absolutely roasting doing stop and go here and uh, McCroom Bypass. Roasting. And it also sounds a little bit like this. No crack whatsoever because of all the rain this morning. But whatever the weather, I'll be sorting you out with the biggest summer tune. Can you play the new Ellie Goulding and Calvin Harris song, please? And sizzling prizes to make you go... This is a job. So make sure you're driving home with me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Nyan Motors, your number one for Kia in Cork. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Wow, we have really touched a nerve with that first hour this morning. Bullying homophobia, the situation in schools. We have pages and pages of comments and loads and loads of people want to take part in the conversation to which we will return uh, later in the morning. So if you have any thoughts on our first hour this morning on the awful uh, incident from County Meath or on the 
incident that Rebecca was telling about which happened here in the county. We're not saying where, we're not naming the school, but we have the video. It did happen. You have heard Rebecca. If not, we'll be podcasting all of it later. Any thoughts on that? Bullying in schools, homophobic bullying, any kind of bullying, in fact. Uh, we'll come back to it. Oh, wait, three, three ninety-six, ninety-six, ninety-six. First of all, though, another one that we've noticed on the rise of late is road rage. It's it's a since the end of the pandemic restrictions when people got back on the road is it just me is it just Emer? is it just Fergal is it no it's obviously not just any of us it's the whole there is more anger out there more nastiness more impatience add to that the fact that we're up in a heap with roadworks I just came out of work yesterday to find a note on my car bonnet from some contractor or other telling me that I'm probably going to lose my parking space for a few weeks while they fix, in inverted commas, another footpath. In other words, make it about 20 foot wide so you can play a flipping match on it. Yeah, that's fixing it, all right. Taking it away, more like. There's cycle lanes, there's roads down to one lane, there's traffic jams here, there and everywhere. There's scooters, bloody scooters going the wrong way up and down everywhere there's and badly behaved cyclists as well as badly behaved motorists and badly behaved scooterists I swear every morning now when I get out of my car on Patrick's Hill I have to watch for myself as I'm crossing over the road not for a car coming down but for the scooter coming up the wrong way whether you know it or not uh, you're not supposed to come up that way there's a lot of conflict on our roads. We got a text, for example, from a listener yesterday. I, I know women are supposed to be good at multitasking, but there's a lady driving in front of me doing her makeup and watching Netflix on her phone in the phone holder. She even has it rotated to the horizontal for widescreen viewing. That came in from Jimmy. And I remember driving. My car is a little bit higher up off the road. I drive a a duster and you could see down into the smaller cars and there's a fella sitting next to me um, last couple of months anyway and it's very clear that he's got his phone on the steering wheel and he's watching sport of some kind or other but road rage is out there and an awful lot of it Connor Faulkner transport commentator um, when you were in the AA Connor years ago you were involved there you, there was research on road rage and now your your former colleagues have done more research on road rage it is rampant verbal abuse people have been cut off in traffic physical confrontation at the side of the road what's going on out there good morning connor <coughs> yeah good morning good morning it's it's out there um do you know one of the things about road rage is that it, very precisely defined so <clears throat> when you look for stats on it they're hard to come across because if an assault uh, results incident it just gets recorded as an assault and um, so it can be hard to sort of filter so we're relying on anecdote to us and um, so I should say that in surveys that my colleagues in the AA have done and in, and in other stuff that I've seen um, actual physical confrontation is very very rare 
very, very rare. Now, it does occur, BJ, and in fact, there was footage from court last year of a really nasty incident where, uh, you know, a guy gets out of the car in front or gets out of the car behind, goes to the car in front, opens the driver's door and physically assaults. So it can occur, it does occur, but that's very, very rare. Mostly, though, <clears throat> people experience road rage as, as you might call it, road rudeness rather than road rage. Um, but they report aggressive tailgating, cars... Connor, let me see if we can clean up that line. It's dropping out a little bit too much for comfort. Fergus, see if we can clean that up there. Um, because I want, I want to delve a little bit into this with, with Connor, the whole history of it and where it might be going. So see if we can't clean that up. Go back over that one you got report of last year, Connor, from Cork, a violent incident. Yeah, a better line this time, BJ. Thank I hope. you. Uh, yeah, no, this was footage from uh, from Cork City in, in was it la- last year, I think. Might have been 21, but I think it was last year. And it, it was a horrible incident on a nasty wet morning with everybody stuck in traffic. And there's phone shot video of a guy getting out of his car, walking to the car in front, opening the driver's door and assaulting the driver. A really nasty incident. Now, that won't be recorded as a road rage incident. That'll just be recorded as an assault because mm. um, that's what it was. So it's it can be difficult when you look at stats to try and figure out what was road rage and what wasn't. But actual assaults of that sort are very, very rare. Very, very rare. Much more commonly, people report aggressive behaviour from other drivers. So kind of road rudeness rather than road rage, if you like. But aggressive tailgating, cutting it in front. Um, and then also they report uh, you know, people shouting insults, uh, aggressive hand gestures, even things like coffee cups thrown uh, or wing mirrors kicked by cyclists. Mm. Um, you know, incidents where somebody has a flash of anger on the road and, and they do something. And, you know, there is something about the nature of the road. You were talking about it yourself from the introduction, you know, on a trafficy morning in Cork City with roadworks everywhere. Everybody's frustrated. And, and if you're frustrated and you're stuck in your car, uh, that sort of stressed situation, you're much more likely to lash out. And the fact that you're in your car sort of means that you feel you can lash out. You don't feel as if... Uh, but then, of course... If the driver beside you is in the same situation, it can escalate into an incident. And it does occur, no doubt about it. And people feel a bit threatened and menaced on the roads. And, and, and that's an unhealthy dynamic. You know, you, you, you don't want people to feel that way. But it comes really from traffic and delays and the stress that that causes. Cycling and cycling lanes. Nobody begrudges anybody a cycle lane, uh, Connor. But there's, mm. there's a record out there now, I think, of aggression towards motorists, bicyclists, and towards other cyclists, bicyclists. Well, yeah, well, we're all Mark One human beings, you know, and everybody shares the same uh, flaws and foibles. There's nothing uniquely different about cyclists versus pedestrians versus car users. Cyclists, I think, are quite visible. So, you know, if a, if a car user in morning traffic has a grumpy morning, he might sound the car horn inappropriately. Um, but a cyclist, if they sort of mount a footpath or weave or break a red light, everybody sees them. Everybody in the whole situation sees them. And that gives rise to stories like, oh, cyclists, they always behave terribly. They don't really. A small number of them do, but it's the same small number who misbehave in cars. I think they're just a little bit more visible. Mm. Um, and, you know, most people are... are, are decent and well-behaved most of the time. Um, but if you, if you run the numbers, you know, if 99% of people are behaving perfectly well, 
that still leaves ten or 15,000 people on the roads in the morning commute who are in that you know, frustrated and angry state of mind. So if two of them encounter each other, you can get one of these sort of flashes of anger on the road. Yeah. And then everybody is prone to distracted incidents and stuff as well. Uh, you know, we shouldn't do it. But when stuck in traffic, people will tend to look at their mobile phone and then they don't move properly when the lights change and the car behind them gets annoyed. So uh, they're all, I think, facets of frustration caused by traffic. Where does road rage occur? Well, look for traffic and that's where you'll find it. At least we're not like they are in the US. Didn't they do a study there uh, in 2021? There was gun murders all over the place from road rage. Yeah, unbelievable in the US. Now, they, uh, to me, this tells you more about US gun insanity than it does about road mm. rage. Um, but yeah, the they, they, uh, American data show that in 2021, 44 people per day were shot um, and either killed or injured directly as a result of a road rage or traffic incident. Uh, it's an incredible number. In, in the US, more than a third of these incidents involve handguns. So when you think about it, you know, we, we had stories in Ireland, or at least my, my former colleagues in the AA who did some more good work on it a couple of years ago, they had stories in Ireland of, of people throwing coffee cups. So can you imagine if you're so annoyed by a traffic incident that you're actually, you know, hot-headed enough to throw your cup of coffee at someone? Uh, now that might be rare, but in the US, like imagine if everybody had a gun in their glove box, mm. how much more serious would that incident become? Um, so, yeah, gun yeah. madness in the US, it's a different kettle of fish, it but is. they're very much an outlier because of that, because of the guns. D-, D, and this is a very common one, we get something like this every day, Connor. PJ, I missed my kids' swimming classes yesterday because of a traffic jam. Traffic mm. is a joke, it's adding to the stress. Yeah, it does, for sure. And you know what? It does in Cork, not to insult the city, but Cork is a very, very trafficy city. Um, and it can be very frustrating for motorists trying to get around. Um, and, you know, long term, the solution, as for every big city, the solution is the provision of, of public transport. Um, you know, if Cork had six Lewis lines and one metro, um, you know, we'd be having, we'd probably be talking about platform range in, <laughs> on the metro. And, you know, we'd all be in a better situation. Uh, very much true in Dublin as well. And even smaller cities like Galway, we have a very car dependent setup for our transport. Uh, and that means we're going to get more traffic jams, which is bad for all sorts of reasons. Uh, but it also will mean that, you know, all of the things being equal, that will mean more road rage incidents. David's on about people running red lights and particularly pointing out a large number of HGVs running red lights and running against the amber mm. to race the red and he points out a couple of junctions notorious for it. Yeah, well, listen, there are a couple of bad junctions in Cork, um, but on the behaviour of HGVs, um, you know, maybe that's a bit like a cyclist. When a HGV does break the rules, it's very visible. Actually, as a cohort, they are extremely good and disciplined drivers. They have a really good safety record. They're professionals. Mm. Um, you know, usually on the road, your, your problem does not arise from professional drivers. Um, it arrives from the rest of us, uh, us amateurs doing our daily thing and, and uh, you're wrongly trying trying to multitask the times in traffic and making mistakes. Usually when a rudeness incident happens, it's not on purpose. Um, you know, somebody has blocked the yellow box 
because they made a mistake, yes. not because they're trying to annoy you. Um, and I would say those tend more to arise from us civilians than from the professional drivers in, in, in trucks and buses. Connor, what are your thoughts on scooters? Because I made the point there in the introduction. When I get out of my car in the morning and I'm walking out onto the road, it's not the car or the bike coming in the correct direction that I have to watch for. It's the scooter coming in the wrong direction. What is yeah. it with some of these scooterists? They seem to think they can go where they like. Well, again, you have the same problem as with all the other transport components. It's the Mark One human being. It's not the scooter. It's the behavior of the person. Scooters are precisely, uh, precisely the same as bicycles. Everything you say about a scooter is just as true about a bicycle. You will occasionally see cyclists going the wrong way up a one-way street, and motorists would never do that. Cyclists do it regularly. You could see cyclists mount footpaths. Um, Now, that's it's not the bicycle, it's the behaviour of the person. And the very same exists with e-scooters. And in fact, when we finally get our law, we've a good law drafted and ready uh, on e-scooters. It's becalmed in the process mm. at the moment, but it's coming. Um, should be there by the end of this year, should have been there by the end of last year, but that's a, a different story, but it's coming. And, and when it arrives, it will treat uh, scooters and e-bikes in precisely the same way that bicycles are treated. So that scooter that you have to jump out of the way of on Patrick's Hill, um, that scooter will be breaking the law. Now, they're already it's breaking, breaking the law by even being law. there now, Connor. Exactly. Yeah, they're already breaking the existing law. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 and so you know, it's not the ink on the paper of the statute that's what we need is what we need it's the behaviour of the person uh, you know it's responsible behaviour when you're using the road and you see irresponsible behaviour of all sorts yeah. and another thing that will happen to you in traffic is the pedestrian walking in front of the bus with the earphones in and looking oh, yeah. at the screen oh, yeah. and, and causing the bus driver to react like a fighter pilot and, and the, you know the pedestrian just breezes across the road mm. and, you know, and that's a problem with the behaviour of the person um, so it's the behaviour of the person, cyclist, e-scooterist, pedestrian or driver. Now, I, I spent a lifetime representing drivers and I would always say that for us, the greater duty of care is there because you have an engine and a ton of car and you can do lots of third party damage. So you have to be much more responsible and you have to be licensed and you have to pay insurance. And that's right and appropriate. Um, but again, the problem in this system is, is the behaviour of people. Um, and you know that's no different for people on a scooter, notwithstanding the stories you hear these days. Yeah. Lastly, Connor, it comes in here from time to time, all the changes to pavements and lanes and McCurtain Street, which I'm sure you know very well from your times in Cork below us, now is a much more different landscape. I've heard it said that there is a war on the humble motorist in pursuit of green ideology. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a hyperbole there, but it's sometimes true. And some local authorities in Ireland are more guilty of it uh, than others. Uh, a couple of the Dublin authorities are nearly irrational on the subject. Um, and you get that dynamic in Cork and Galway and elsewhere either. Uh, a couple of things just to state. Firstly, we are where we are, but we are too car dependent. We have been inadequate in the provision of public transport mm-hmm. for our cities and hence our bind. The solution to that, uh, well, let's be simplistic. There's two ways you can do it. Firstly, you can go all stick and you say, if we 
torture the motorist, tax them, frustrate them, move them, uh, block a road just for the sake of it, um, then they'll have to do something else, no matter how pissed off they are, and we'll have less traffic in the city centre. Um, and that might actually be true, but you're doing economic damage to the city centre while you're at it. Um, you haven't provided a solution. Uh, you've just frustrated car use. Um, and that's not a constructive approach, and, and I see and hear it too much. And sometimes, by the way, there's a dishonesty to that, because the climate conversation Say, you know, say climate and you can get away with any policy you want. Uh, and I dislike that as a dynamic and it does exist at times. Um, however, it's also a, a bit of a lame criticism mm. of local authorities who are trying to do the best they can. And there's no doubt that we have to pivot towards things like cycling and bike lanes. It mightn't sound very sexy, but you know, if you look at what's achieved in a city like Copenhagen, for yeah. example, where yeah. a third of all commuters use a bike and it's a much more pleasant and less congested and more efficient transport system for it. Um, so we need to pursue policies like that. Uh, and the city centre of Cork is, is, is you know, a very attractive place these days. Uh, lots of retail and street presence and outdoor seating, tourist and student and diverse vibe. It's, it's, it's a great place uh, and it would be diminished if it was full of cars and um, be diminished if it was full of buses too. And, uh, you know, so we have to balance it. Local authorities have to balance and weigh those things. Uh, and, and while, you know, they do sometimes indeed, I believe, uh, sort of falsely persecute motorists uh, and lose the run of themselves, uh, you know, nev- nevertheless, they, we, they're pretty complicated things that we have to fix here. And uh, I, I think give them some credit for that. Okay. Connor, always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Connor Faulkton, transport commentator and formerly of the AA. 0818969696. I remember him years ago. I brought this up with him in a conversation a couple of years back in the mornings at half past seven. He was Connor Faulkton, AA Roadwatch. That's uh, not yesterday. Thanks, Connor. 0818969696. Your thoughts on anything that he had to say? particularly with regard to bikes and scooters, are road rage incidents. And it's an important point that he makes. An assault like that really bad one won't be classed as road rage. It's the little things, the little, to use that awful buzzword now, microaggressions that you see on the side of the road. 0818 96 96 96. Loads of comments on bullying. I see videos going around Cove. There's one of a couple. Oh yeah, we had this last weekend came in, it was taken in broad daylight, five o'clock, down on the prom last Saturday in Cove. Very nasty scenes. A knife was pulled in the middle of that. And there's other videos going around. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. Text 83 396 96 96. This is the opinion line with PJ Cook. Oh, it's 96 FM. Hi, PJ. What I find really annoying is these so-called engineers who decided to put cycling lanes down. The cycle lanes and cyclists have more rights on the road now than all of us car drivers who pay insurance and tax. We're the responsible ones to watch out for them while they cycle away. It's not fair. Thanks, Bear. Bear saying, well, we're the ones paying tax and insurance, but the cyclists are getting all the lanes and all the priority, and they can do what they like, and we're paying for it, says Bear. Whether you agree with Bear or not, I'd like to know at 0818 96 96 96. Now, let me take you back to April, to around the 14th of April, I think it was, when I spoke to Kenneth Stone. Now, Kenneth has a little lad uh, called Harry. And Harry has a bit of a problem. 
Um, he has a thing called pica, which is just part of his uh, condition, and they can't let him out in the garden because he'll eat mud and stones and any other thing like that. So Kenneth came to me uh, in April just to see what might be possible with regard to artificial grass. He, he had some money, but he discovered it was a lot more expensive than he thought it might be. Let's remind ourselves of that conversation on the 14th of, or the 17th of April. Harry is five and a half. Um, he's a fantastic boy. Harry will be a slight risk. We have a back garden. Um, it's his free space. Like Harry, like Harry is artistic. Um, he also has pika, which means he puts inappropriate things into his mouth. When it's raining, we, we definitely can't go out because there's muck out the back and unfortunately he'll eat the muck. Look, I'll just get into it there now with your PJ. Where other families see artificial grass with a luxury? Unfortunately, like it, 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 it's a necessity you now for us at this stage. Mm. Um, like, like we, we're constantly fighting from. Like I thought we could just buy the grass, put it down and that would be the end of it. And, and, and no, this is another fight that we have to fight. There's a bit of work involved in it. There's an awful bit of work involved, and like I, I gave up my career for Harry. <laughs> we just, we just don't have it, right? Kenneth, you've put it out there. That's part one. Let's okay. see what, let's see what people will come back with. Peter, thanks very much. I really no, you're all right. You're all right. Look, mate, I know, I know where you are, pal. I know where you are. I remember being. We had the diagnosis six yeah. or eight months ago. But you know what, pal? Yeah. I feel for you. It's a rotten corner to find yourself yeah. in. Why not? But you know what? Everything you put into him, he will give you back in bucketfuls. Thank you very much, Peter. All right. I meant it then. And I mean it now. Now, we had uh, some wonderful generosity. Uh, Rory and the gang came through from Artificial Grass Cork in Waterfall there happy to supply and I think they already have supplied. Unfortunately um, Kenneth there's no labour now to put it down. There was someone going to help but they have had to back out uh, So where are you now? You've got a load of artificial grass and you've no help to put it down. Morning again Good morning PJ um, Thanks for having me on again. Yeah um, I have the artificial grass which was supplied by um, artificial grass crack by Rory which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah but as you said, unfortunately, that happened with the, the labour side of it. Um, I suppose, PJ, before I was asking for help, um, like I'm, I'm, ex- I, I'm just begging for help now because I have, I have to make this happen for Harry. Well, having uh, the grass I, is part of the job. What size yeah. of a of a garden is it, Kenneth? It, it's it's eighty it's eighty metres squared. It's, it's a small back garden on the back of a three bed house. Okay. Um, I suppose before I didn't want to go down this route, but like I've I've worked in construction. Um, is it okay if I name the places I worked in and the companies? And maybe some of them maybe might be best to not me. to for now. No, but, but okay. you, you say you worked in construction all your life. Yeah. I think you'd possibly be known. What yeah. we're looking for here, if it's eighty meters squared, a couple yeah. of construction workers would fire that down in a day or two. 
Yeah, and I, I, I'd be happy to help, but I, I can't lose this. I, I can't lose this fight for him. I can't. Where did you, where did you work, Kenneth? We can. Uh, well, can I name the company? Yeah, give My, us a couple of yeah. names. Okay, so look, right. My last project, I would have worked in Hovian in Cork. Right. So um, I would have worked in Irish Distillers down in Middleton. Okay. I would have worked in GSK in Corribini. Okay, 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 okay. What we're looking for here is a couple of construction workers to get it's 80 metres squared couple of strong fellas with hard backs you'd knock it down in a day or two that's what you're looking for isn't it? That, that's all I'm looking for PJ I just, I just want to make this come true for Harry he, he, he deserves a safe area and he deserves to be happy that, that's all I want it's just one spot just clean out to, the, to another person like I know. Ideally, ideally it's someone who'd be experienced happen. in laying down artificial yeah. grass. There must be yeah. a lot of people out there who've done this as part of, say, finishing a housing project or finishing that kind of thing. So there must be out there must be out there in, in the construction companies around. So someone's experienced in laying artificial grass. You've got the grass, you've got all the pieces that they need, and you've got a space, but you kinda don't know where to start. You'll 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 throw your back into it. To help, obviously, but you kind of well, don't know no, where to start your help. Start yourself. I, I, I have started it, but I don't know anything about levels, PJ. I know, yeah. I, 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 basically, all I need is someone with a machine, someone that will help me do a bit of digging, yeah. someone that will help me level it out, and someone that will help me compact it down so it's ready for grass. That's, that's all, PJ. Like, yeah, I, know, yeah. I know it's a big ask. I know it's a huge ask, but like, I, I'm, I'm begging people if they could help me. I know, I know. Well, Kenneth, look... There was someone going to help before. Unfortunately, for their own reasons, they can't now, and that's unfortunate. But here you are now with a pile of artificial grass, a little boy that you want to let out into the backyard. And for someone with the experience, just to make it happen. Hold on, we've got someone on the phone who will help with labour as well. Oh, we have, we have someone who will help with the labour. We have someone who will help with the labour, but we need someone who will put down artificial grass before that could come forward and maybe help okay okay how is Harry is he in school um, he's in preschool um, we've yeah he, he's in preschool Monday to Friday so yes. yeah he's yeah. very happy um, I mean like I just want him to be able to go to back PJ I know like, um, a, helicopter, a helicopter in the toilet is an awful thing PJ like you know what I mean because it's claustrophobic even for him, like, because I have to care for what he's doing and what he's putting into his room because I don't want him to get sick. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And in this lovely bit of weather we're having, and hopefully we'll continue across the weekend, you know, you kind of think, God, why can't I just let him out there to play? Yeah. Like any uh, little kid. I, I, exactly, you can't. You can't. You have to be up and tap him constantly, look. And that's not good for him, and it's frustrating for you, and it's yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. All right, so we've yeah. got we've got some someone who'll help with labour, what we're looking for is someone experienced in laying the surface and getting the surface ready to put down artificial grass. It's an 80 metre squared garden, which isn't a very big garden at all. Uh, so if, if anybody can help, 0818 96 96 96. Kenneth, this will happen. I know this will happen. Someone will, someone will be able to help. It, you know, there are so many people out there working in construction, who would have done this? Because when they finish, say you finish a house, 
and someone says, I need you to level off the garden for me. That kind of thing. Uh, preparing it for artificial surfaces. They're out there. We'll find someone, all right? Thanks very much, PJ. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers, Kenneth. Someone tell him that there's he can rent a leveller for 40 quid for a weekend. My partner has no experience with construction or with gardens, and he managed it himself. He put down outdoor tiles. Yeah. You can rent the stuff. He'll rent whatever he has to rent, but he just wants some help from somebody who's done this before, putting down artificial grass. That's what Kenneth needs right now. Um, he's got one person to help him with labour. He'll put his own back into it for the few hours. Uh, uh, but he he's looking for someone with a bit of expertise. Am I good to go with that on three? Uh, Leonard, morning. Hello. Leonard, how are you doing? Okay. Good, good. You, you, you think you might be able to help here? I'll fit the grass, no problem. Would you? Once he's got yeah, it, le- once he's got it leveled. Yes. Does does it go? D- you 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 you're a carpet fitter by profession, but does it go down a bit like carpet once it's leveled? Yeah. Yes, exactly the same. Oh really? Just, just a bit of a technique in it, no, but it's okay. Okay, okay. So if he can get the ground leveled, he has the grass. Yeah. If you can get if he no can problem. get the ground leveled and prepared, you'll put down the grass. Yeah. Right. No Right, Leonard. We'll put you down. Put put you back onto the lad there. That's one. That's one thing covered. There's something I didn't know ten minutes ago. Putting down artificial grass is a bit like it's a bit. Yeah. Have you a company name that we can give a big plug to, Leonard? I'm working with Dan and Floor Coverings. Ash, we know Dan. We know Dan's company. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, thank you for that. We'll put you back onto the lads outside. No so so there you go. So did you know that they're putting down artificial grass? It's not unrelated to laying carpet. Very small world. So now we've got someone who put the grass down, who's done it before and knows what he's at. We've got labour to help. We've got a suggestion of some tools that you might hire to help. We just need someone who knows how to lay out a garden for artificial grass. It is an 80 metre squared garden. Anybody help? Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. Come here, the world is only a village. Emer just realised exactly who Leonard Foley is. He's been in her house putting down carpet on behalf of Dan Sheehan Floor Coverings in Nortmon Business Park and did a fantastic job. Small world. So Leonard Foley is the best. He's practically done it in two houses for Emer. 0818969696. Back to bullying. We had Rebecca this morning who was telling us about that incident involving a young lad she knows very, very well. She sent us some video. We know that it happened in a schoolyard. We're not identifying the area. We're not identifying the school. We're not identifying the lad. But we've confirmed everything. And then that awful story from up the country. And the more we listen to this, 
little clip from Meath, the more we get more and more clear to us that this fella is egging it on. Now, someone messaged in to say if you listen to or watch the full video, which, by the way, is very hard to do because it's completely sickening, he actually changes his mind at the end and tells them to stop, which is a bit late then, to be fair. But Donna, uh, this this triggered you. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good, good. Your lad is the same age. He is. He's just 14 now. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about him. Um, he's he's very bright. He's very loving. You know, um, very funny. Like he's a brilliant, brilliant child. Um, he he did come out to me two years ago as um gay, which is totally fine with me. I'm fully in support of him. Um, and he, he loves very he early on. Then, yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, he loves who he is. He has lots of friends. Everyone, you know, who accepts him for who he is and and everything like that. Um. Um, but I suppose he knows a lot, like from social media and stuff like that, he would know that there is this type of bullying out there. Um, and he does live in fear, you know. Um, and as a mother, I live in fear because I just think of, like when I see things like this now this morning, like it breaks my heart. And I didn't even see the video. Mm. Uh, Trust I don't me, Donnie, you don't want it. to. No. no, I don't want to see it. Even listen to the piece that you play there with the voices, I, I, I just... I was driving to work and I just felt like crying, you know. It's yeah. just horrific to think that that this can happen. Um, and it is happening every day. Yeah. Um, like this my young own lad son, was left with severe injuries. I think he's got yeah. broken teeth and split lip and all that kind of carry on, you know. Yeah, it's horrendous. And no child should have to face that. And no parent should have to get that phone call to say that, like, this has happened to your child, you know. Mm. I don't know wrong? what I do if What's I got wrong with us when, when, when there are people... Because as I've said before, and I'll say again, Donna, no bully is born. Bullies are made. What's, yeah, wrong, with, exactly. what's wrong with a society yeah. where that's made? I don't know. Um, I suppose, I suppose. I mean, the biggest role models in your life is your parents. So where, where you live um, and where you grow up is, you know, is where it should start from, is where people should teach people to, teach their children to, accept everybody for who they are and that, you know, we don't have to be labelled as different. Um, everyone should just be classed as the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think, I mean, I mean, as I said in my message, like I would rather be raising my child as he is um, than, than raising a bully, you know. I wouldn't accept my child to go out and do that to anybody. Like, um, And I just don't know how, like... The children that do this over and over again, so they're clearly not being punished at home or not being, you know, there's no consequences for their mm. behaviour, you know. You, you say that he's got fantastic friends and and he's happy. He does, yeah. And he's very happy, he is. Good. But he is afraid. And, like, he, he had a minor incident, I suppose, for the first time um, where he was in the street and he was being called names and stuff like that. Um, but he, uh, he, he does tell me, like, he won't go outside unless his friends call for him first. He wouldn't walk to call for his own friends on his own. You know, I see. and he'd say to me like, you know, ma'am, it's 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 not like it's not 
easy for me like it is for you. I can't walk. I have to make sure when I turn every corner that I have to be aware of what's coming around that corner, you know. And that breaks my heart that he has to live like that. At 14? At 14, yeah. He's very self-aware. Which is he is very self-aware, yeah. He is. And I suppose, in a go- in a way, social media is good. In a way, it's bad. I mean, I would, I don't. Sometimes I think if he didn't know all this stuff was happening, he wouldn't be afraid of what might come to him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's aware of it and he can be on his guard. But like, you, nobody should have to live like that. He's part know? of the Snapchat fraternity. I, as in, yeah. his age is the age that uses Snapchat. It's it's. I forgot how to use it years ago, and my daughter yeah. politely said, "Dad, it's designed that way." You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but seriously, it's a horrible place by all accounts. It is, yeah, it is. I'm glad I'm. I'm I wasn't in that era like that. I'm <laughs> old enough to be not in this. But um, no, it's just. I suppose. I mean, he's he's 14. He has the same, you know, hopes and dreams as every other child out there. Um, but he has to live with this kind of a, you know. I mean, as I said, he's happy with who he is, and he doesn't hide it or anything like that. But it's just that he does have to be aware that people won't like that and people will, you know. Some people. I mean, yeah. some people. And I, I fear for the time when, for the time coming when he's, you know, 18 or 19 and he starts to go out with his friends clubbing and things like that. And, you know, when, you when he those starts stories, dating, well, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All of those things, you know. And everybody worries about their children growing up and what might come. But, like, I think when you have something like this, you know, when you have a, a child who's, uh, shall we say, different the way they label it, um, you have to kind of... You have to just think more and have more kind of fears. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he's got a rock in his corner in you, Donna, and and thank you for calling. And um, that's Donna. Son is fourteen, gay, same as the lad in County Meath. Uh, to the person who messaged in and said, if you watch the full video, uh, the the guy doing the shouting changes to getting them to stop later on. Perhaps he does. I don't have the stomach for the full video, quite frankly. I don't. PJ, there's more videos in Cove. I'm seeing that as well. Yeah, bullying never ending, says Frank. Do people not remember Leanne Wolf? Oh, Frank, I was waiting for someone to bring up that name. There's, there's loads of it. I'm a past victim of bullying. Mine happened well over 25 years ago. To this day, I still have the trauma and the PTSD. I struggle to trust anybody, even after intensive therapy. The long-term effects linger. People really need to be aware of what to them might be just jokes or banter. It can very well ruin somebody else's life. I don't wish to share my name. And you don't have to. On the thing I keep saying about, you know, a bully is made, a bully's not born. I had the opportunity in later life, um, as two men in our 40s with our own children, I met one of my bullies. I met one of my tormentors. In a pub. I had no idea he was going to be there. I was just in a pub socialising with some friends and there was a tap on my shoulder. And here was this guy whose face I recognised from many years ago. And he said, can we talk? And I said, what do you want to talk about? He said, can I buy you a pint? And I said, well, what the hell is this about? I said, you were made my life a misery. Go away, I'm out with my friends. He said, will you give me ten minutes? And will you drink a pint with me? So my dad taught me, you know, always listen if someone wants to talk. So we went to the corner of this pub, I won't name the pub and I certainly won't name him. And we drank a pint together and he extended his hand, he said, I'm sorry. And I took it and I shook his hand. And then I said, why? 
why? He said, I don't know why. But what I will say, he said, is I haven't spoken to my dad in 20 years. That was all I needed to know. Quartz 96 FM is the official media partner of Cove Ramblers FC. This Friday night, Cove Ramblers take on Athlone Town at St. Coleman's Park. Kickoff is 7.45 p.m. The Street Fleet will be there supporting the team. So bring the family for a great night of football and fun. Tickets, see coveramblers.ie. With Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 0836969696.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96.96
with a hotel or a guest house. And it would be the fantastic job that they did on the Penny Dinners a few years ago where they just brought their magic to the new Penny Dinners uh, premises. Uh, and that was on the telly. Uh, but they're selling up. They are selling up. Francis. Yes. Selling up. I didn't know where you were going when you said what I did in Cork. I thought, cripes, what did I do? <laughs> Come here. I know yeah. you I know you have a roundy birthday coming up. Is that why you're selling up? Ah uh, no, not really. No, because um you know, if 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 we look at history and we look I had said back like twenty years ago I did a plan to retire at fifty five. Yeah. That was the plan. And the plan was all going great till 2008, 2012. And guess what? The plan all fell apart and I lost everything in which I was involved in, which was substantial. Okay. And that meant that, oh, forget that then. I won't be going at um, 55. I'll have to keep going. So the fact that I'm going uh, like nearly 15 years later, it just goes to prove that I'm not really great with the figures. And that's why the brother does all that on at your service, etc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you're you're involved in this business all of your lives, really, aren't you, both of you? Yeah, yeah. I started in the hotel, uh, no, in the restaurant business when I was 14. I had a bike and I used to work in a place called the Step In in Step Aside in Dublin, which was one of the first kind of what you would call today gastropubs. They did a huge food business and big bar business as well. At that time, it was completely different. And I used to work there. And then I went to college and then I worked in every hotel in Dublin as casual, like doing weddings or breakfasts or thing. And Frank Carr, who's a well-known man in the editorial world, was Christmas week. Like I would do breakfast, lunch and dinner in different hotels, like as a waiter. Okay, And after about that, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Frank Carr was at one or other of all these functions. And then when it came to Thursday, he looked at me and said to me, can I ask you a personal question? He said, have you got a twin? <laughs> because I was in so many places he presumed I couldn't be in all of those places but I was and that there must be a twin doing the other half of the shift as the fellow says so I'm involved in the hotel business since I was 14 and love every minute of it What's the attraction of it? Because it's hard, hard work Francis yeah. yeah, but there's a great camaraderie you know, like particularly now since we announced yesterday that we're going to sell and um, like, I had feedback. I must have had 120, 130 texts or emails and 60 phone calls yesterday. I, I actually didn't go to the hotel at all yesterday. I stayed at home because the phone never stopped ringing, as I thought it might. So I, I was more quiet here at, the, at, at my own house. Um, and I had, like, texts from uh, our ex-head chef in Singapore, our ex-porter in uh, New York, um, a lad in Mallorca in Spain, loads of fellows in England working in the hotel, all whom came through the and into the hotel industry through Kenmare, all of whom were extremely nice to me mm. online yesterday. Well, so when one is slightly well known, like yourself and, and John Francis, it's very hard yeah. to keep something a secret, but nobody had a clue. I heard it on the news yesterday morning. I said, no. I said, How did John, you keep it to yourself? I, I, it's a miracle. I tell you now, the first person I told was my sister yesterday morning. And not yesterday morning, the morning before, she was going into the gym and she phoned me in her car and we were talking and yapping and talking and yapping. Okay, now I knew it was all going to break at nine o'clock that night because that was what we were telling the staff then. And um, so then it would be out within two minutes because they all text and tweet all over the place. So it was like 
knowing them. I said, Kate said to me, oh, do you know what she is? You really, do you know what you, you're setting, John, to just sell it all up and enjoy life, she says, okay? And I, I don't remember what we were even talking about. And then I thought, oh, cripes. I, 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 like, how can I ring her in six hours time and say, we are selling up? I, so I said, listen, you're in the car on your own, are you? I said, we are selling. And it'll be in the papers in the morning. And we're telling staff tonight at nine. How, how did she take it? She said, oh, my God, I didn't mean to. She thought then that, like, because she said what she said, that she brought it up and <laughs> didn't mean to break confidence. I said, no, no, it's fine. But don't tell anybody till after nine o'clock tonight. But it was a D-Day operation because we're at this now for close on three months. Right. And CBRE already have had two people here, very keen, all right? Right. Um, and they came as um, um, insurance inspectors because our insurance was up at the end of this month, as it always is. So there was no, like, they were just looking around the hotel, how are you for the insurance, all right? Mm-hmm. So, because we didn't want to uh, to break break the, the story until it was ready to break, all right? So we should, I said to John, we really should have been around in D-Day, because we would have been very good at that. I didn't realise until yesterday that we would, but we absolutely not one single person knew, only my sister yesterday morning at about 11 o'clock. Wow. Did you have someone working down there? Do you have someone working down there, Francis, for 43 years today? You. We have four. Four? Yeah, well, and close on 43, maybe one is 42 and thing. We have uh, John Palmer in the front hall, uh, a porter. We have John Mariarty, our stalwart, in the bar. We have um, uh, Philip, another porter, in the, in the front hall. And then a, a girl upstairs that's with us all those years. I think that lad might have ser- served me a pint on, on one occasion when I visited, all right. He's been in the bar since forever, like. Yeah, no, that's right. He's in the bar since forever. Yeah, he, he started at 17 over in the Europe Hotel in Clarny. And then we opened the next year or the year after, I think, when he started. And then he came to us and he's here ever since. John Moriarty. And, and how do you break it to people like that who've been with you for decades, Francis? Well, John is 60 today, actually. I just phoned him this morning to wish him well um, today. Um, well, with, with, with the force, those four old staff, excuse me if I can use that term, um, I brought John over here to the house the day, the, yes, the, yes, the day before yesterday. And I said, listen, John, now I'm just telling you, we're telling all the staff tonight at nine o'clock. And, and do you know what he said? He said, that you're absolutely right, the pair of you. Well, yes, come here, so someone who's been working behind your bar for that long, like, go, if you want to know anything about how a hotel works, ask the head barman. Because oh, he yes. knows everything. So, and he never sussed it out. Never. No, I can't believe it. He had no... Now, there was silly rumours around town yeah. that our great um, saviour in life, the Nocton family, as in Glenn Dimplex, Fergal Nocton, yeah. whom, assisted us because we got into terrible we built where I'm sitting now I'm sitting in an apartment in a block of 18 which we built in they were finished built in 2008 we sold one for 1.7 million and thought we were on the pig's back and we never sold another one for nine years All right. so we had bank trouble as the fellow says but the bank were very good to us now and they worked with us and then but we needed a quite nice and they that was Fergal Nocton and he has been a fantastic partner to us and when we decided, when John and I talked, talked about selling and all the rest, although, mind you, when they came in, when he came in in 2016 as the White Knight, um, I did say to him, now listen, Fergal, this is not a lifetime um, thing. I, I would think that we probably would sell within 10 years, all right? right. Uh, because I kind of thought I'll, be, I'll end up down the road with nobody to take over because John has drunk in and he's very happy out there and maybe this could become redundant, if you know what I mean. And there's nothing worse than a family hotel going into decline because yeah. that is 
if we look around the industry, that is what happens with family hotels. And then they have to sell at the lowest point. We are actually selling at our highest point ever. We spent over three million on the two hotels in the last three years. The hotel was never in better condition. Mm-hmm. Our spa and all, everything is perfect. When if anybody, whoever and whenever anybody walks in here, yeah. gets eight, and six. there's a savage point in the bar. Yeah, nothing. To, <laughs> I may tell you now, savage point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So they have nothing to do, only sell the place, and certain the bookings this year are very good. So like, Excellent. you know, and we will be around. Like, it won't, it won't yeah, happen. you're not you're not going to run off into the sunset. But by the way, how is John's health? No, perfect. There's good. No issue on no, because that's, the people have said that to me already. Are you selling because John isn't well? No, John is perfect. Great. John does have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which never goes away, but is, is treatable at every turn. Fantastic. So he hasn't had any turns in the last four years, so that's good news. So you're going to what? You're opening a coffee truck or something down in Canary, the two of yeah. <laughs> Horse box. <laughs> so I go around the county and into, uh, even venture into Cork. Can you imagine the excitement of that? Um, Selling coffee. I know, I'm joking. No, but I'm like, I won't be idle. First of all, like, next week now I'm in, in Cornwall uh, uh, assessing a possible uh, place for after service, all right? And then um, I have a new book coming out in September. That's three or four books now, is it, Francis? That'll be the ninth, eighth book. Get eighth. away, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All of them have done very well. So that'll be coming out in September. That's aging gracefully. So we love giving our grannies and our nannies a copy of that please God right. and then um, also we, we have had your service ongoing and then of course I have a, I have a huge business going with Dunn Stores on the Francis Brennan collection uh-huh. Uh-huh. we're opening a new store in Dundrum one of the finest shopping centres in Ireland and that's coming in October so we already have had four or five big meetings on that issue to date you're and busy and you're kept busy yeah you're no busy. I won't I won't be idle, but I, pop, I probably I won't be in the hotel anymore if if this all goes to plan. And another except thing, for the guest, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it doesn't go to plan, as we think, myself, if, if it didn't sell, we have other plans in our head, and we'll talk to people about that later on. I have one yeah. little story to let you go. Um, there's a man who does a tour bus in Mallorca. You mentioned that one of your former colleagues yeah. is is over there, and there's a wonderful day tour of Mallorca which involves a bus, a boat. And a train. Yeah. And, and there's a fella who leads that. And we were on it a couple of years ago. And he does the thing with the flag and the clipboard. And he leads yeah. you on. And, and yeah. his name is Juan. Juan. So at the end of the day, I went up to him. And there was a few Irish people on the bus. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, who do we have here? Only Juan says Brennan. <laughs> he had all the trees. Everything, including yeah. the flag. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's very good. Very good. Well, that's great. Um, I, I, um, if I'm out there, I must look out for Juan and see what, what he's doing. <laughs> we are, at the moment, we are filming, in, we have done um, sequences in Tralee already for a new hotel that's opening up there, the James Hotel is opening in the autumn. Fantastic. And we've done some early filming for that uh, already. And we will be back in the marketplace September, October, November. We will be filming all the other shows. So, Excellent. So Excellent. Not, we're not idle. We ah. won't be idle. Well, we look forward to talking again then, Francis. Thank you very much. And the best to yourself and to John. The great Francis Brennan. The hotels are for sale. The, the Kinmare Park and the Lansdowne for sale for £20.5 million. But they're going to keep on going. 0818 96 96 96. And if you ever want to see how good they are at what they do in terms of turning stuff over and getting it going, go down and have a look around the penny dinners, particularly if you remember the old penny dinners, which was falling down around them in their premises there. 
look what they did to it and it's brilliant thank you Francis and good luck for yourself and John for the future yeah having a pint in the park is about as much as I could ever, about as much as I could ever afford at the time but it's a gorgeous pint and that man John Moriarty has been behind the bar down there since since forever I'm sure he was the one who served me 0818 96 96 96 PJ 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 it's now two and a half weeks uh, this is still this still going on it's two and a half weeks since we first reported a leak outside Kiltegan Park on Rochestown Road we reported it to Irish Water I estimate there's two litres a minute 10,000 gallons or so a day being lost Irish Water don't even have a record of my previous call to them my neighbours have also been in touch this is totally frustrating can anything be done? That's two weeks ago you reported that. There was a time when the county council or whoever was in charge would be out to you by the end of the day. Uh, yeah. 0818 96 96 96. A rescue doggy escaped his new owner. Okay, so he was given up by a family. They found him a new home. Yeah. They couldn't keep him for whatever reason. Because he got to his new home and he was like, I'm having none of this. Really? He trekked 65 kilometers and went back to his old family. What? And arrived at the door. But they didn't want... So he knocked on the door, scratched on the door, they opened the door. And they were like, no, we... No, we got rid of... He was like, I'm back, guys. I'm back. And they're like, we, 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 didn't, we don't want you. He's probably wagging his little tail. Reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> they kept dropping you no off. No matter how far they went, I walked back from Donegal once. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at Null DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Corks 96 FM. Every so often we talk about uh, organ donation on the programme and there are various organ donation awareness campaigns and organ donation days and there are changes in the law to make us all sort of passive organ donors unless we decide to opt out and that is all coming and as I've said to to listeners and to contributors many times when I'm done with it, take it I don't care Whatever you want. If I'm drop dead on the floor right now, here and now, whatever is working that someone can use, take it. That has always been my way. Um, William, you had a... I never heard of this before. You had a a combined kidney and pancreas transplant. I did, PJ, yeah. I never heard of a pancreas transplant in my life. Really, yeah. Uh, it's very interesting to be honest um, I was a diabetic for 26 years type 1 diabetic yeah. uh, which I'm not anymore um, so the way it kind of worked was throughout the years my diabetes really wasn't it had in control, it wasn't the best control I was a teenager when I got it um, had lots of complications with it stuff like that mm. um, so Really, throughout the years, it kind of played havoc on my health and stuff like that. I ended up with a bone infection in 2018 that I nearly lost my leg with. So I kind of was in and out of the hospital for, um, I think it was about eight weeks at a time. And I'd done that twice because the infection wasn't cleared and I was on high antibiotics mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. throughout the, the weeks. I couldn't actually even leave the hospital. I had to stay. I was in the bonds in Cork. 
and I couldn't even come home. I had to stay there. And it was antibiotics in the morning, lunchtime, evening, and tea time, and nighttime. And I was told that, look, these antibiotics, it was a risk of either causing damage to my kidneys or it could have been a risk of losing my foot if I, you know, I had to take that chance, like, yes. which was fine with me. Like, I, I prefer, you know, it, it was a risk you have to take. Yes. So the way it kind of worked was then um, my kidney function um, had deteriorated. Um, during that time, I was on 45%. When then it started kind of decreasing over the two years, mm. say up to 2021, down to about 15%. And is it because, William, all of the complications of type 1 diabetes? We, we, um, yes. Right. I would, I would call it that, yeah. And it, it, it destroyed your kidneys and you were involved with the Great Liam plant? Yes. Yes, indeed, yeah. Um, I was transferred over to... My doctor in the bonds would have been um, Owen O'Sullivan, who mm-hmm. was a fantastic man. He gave me a reality check numerous of times when I needed it, like... I was a teenager, I was blocking things out. Um, I didn't want to know what my blood sugars were. Do you know, I I was good and I wasn't good. You know, like any teenager, like any young adult in their 20s, they're going out, they're having their few drinks, whatever, and stuff like that. Now, I grew up fairly fast. I started working full-time at 18. I dropped out of school, it wasn't for me, because the diabetes throughout the start of... I got it when I was 15. I was sick for about a year before that, not knowing what was wrong with me. Two years after, I was learning how to cope with the diabetes, which wasn't great. And I found it very hard. So I had dropped out of school. I started working full time. Um, I'm a very positive and determined person. So Mm -hmm. I started working full time. I ended up in all management roles for 20 years. You know, all retail. I used to run... um, a store called Movie Magic. They used to have a few in McCartan Street in Cork. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember them. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I worked for them. Fantastic company. I was there a couple of weeks. They offered me a manager's job. I took it. And I was running one in Mallow. And with the, I was with that company about five, six years. They wanted me to go as an area manager on the road, which I was going to do. And then GameStop at the time approached me and asked me if I would run the store in Mallow. When they wanted to open the store in Mallow and if I'd be interested in doing it. So I did, and I was running that. And then I ended up opening up my own DVD and game store, Mallow, in 2010. But the way the industry had went, as you see yourself with the DVDs and things, um, like, I got out of it without having any debts or anything. About a year before Extra Vision closed down, which was grand. But, um, like... All of this while taking daily insulin and yeah, looking after yourself. while trying to look after everything. You know, I'd never... I wouldn't give up. Like, that's just... I kept going... But I used to get loads of complications with my eyes, um, laser treatment a good few times, um, bleeds in the back of my eyes, nearly losing the leg, as I said, um, neuropathy in the feet, which you have less feeling. Now, there's so many things with diabetes, like, and the littlest thing, like a cut that I got on my foot was what caused, the, the, the it's a bone infection called osteomyelitis. Mm-hmm. So that really was the, the main thing that kind of triggered my kidney problems. Yeah. Because your immune because, system shot to bits with it. I didn't know that until I was talking to someone. But, yeah. Uh, you know, being treated for t- type 1 diabetes because of the different ways in which it affects your body, your immune system's in bits. Oh, it is. It is. Now, luckily, um, 
Dr. Owen O'Sullivan, he put me on an insulin pump in, insulin pump in 2013, which is like an artificial pancreas, mm. which is like you have a little cannula thing that you inject into your stomach, and mm. if you get, you have a flow of insulin going through your body all the time. With that, then say in 2017, there was a newer insulin pump that came out, which I was able to get, and it had a sensor on it. So if I looked at my um, my pump, it actually told me what my blood sugar readings were constantly. And automatically kept And going. it automatically kept the amount of insulin I needed going into me. Or if I had a low, let's say a low blood sugar, that you know, that's fairly dangerous where you can kind of collapse and go sure, into sure. a coma and everything. Um, the pump would suspend, sorry. So it really gave me good control of my diabetes. It gave me good control of mentally how I was feeling. It kind of let me felt in control of my body, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, you were, like, you, you I was were. able to eat more and decide, like, you know, when you have to inject yourself and then finger prick and all this kind of stuff, you're yeah. not knowing what it's going to be until you check it. And then I used to stress myself out of both high and then you're overtaking too much insulin to try and get your blood sugars down yeah. and then you're getting a low. It's a whole roller coaster. It's absolutely crazy. And unless you have a kid or you have it yourself, you'll never understand it. You know, mm. it's mm. very weird. How did you come to hear... Because as I said, this is a new one on me, a yeah. pancreas transplant. How did you so, come to hear of that? I'll bring you up to so say where it all started with the kidney side of things, where everything started going. So after the foot incident, when I was transferred to Liam Plant in CUH in, I think it was um, September 18, um, he started now um, telling me, look, your kidneys, you know, you're at stage three kidney failure. Um which were, uh, he taught me, like, we're at a good place now. So the way they kind of work is they like to be ahead of the game instead of being too close to being in stage one, if you know what I mean, yeah. of in-stage kidney failure, which I had got to. But the way that it worked is, like, there's about a year and a half of lead-ups. You have to get tissue type done, tissue type testing done, angiograms. Oh, yeah. um, so he was preparing you for preparing a kidney transplant. Me. Yeah, right. so like I would go up to him once a month, maybe every six weeks at the start to kind of get my blood done. And then or actually, sorry, it was about every three months at the start because I was still at a good stage of having good functioning kidneys because um, you can function on one kidney. Yes, you can. Yeah. So like a normal person would be on roughly 90% with two kidneys. Um I was on roughly 45%, so I was kind of doing okay. But in time, it was the inevitable that I was going to need a transplant at some stage. Mm-hmm. So then anyway, he um, he was doing all the tests leading up to everything for me. Um, then the pandemic kind of kicked in, and I was working full-time at the time, um, Daniel Supervalue Mallow, which no I'm still with the company, no fair play to him. I know Dan. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're fantastic people. Yeah. I totally enjoyed my job, to be honest. I used to be doing the management role in a super value in Cork. And mm. when I got the leg injury, I had to pull out of there. It was in Ballincollig in Cushes on the main street. Mm. I was an assistant manager in there. So when the foot thing lasted over a year, so I didn't go back there because I had to take pressure off the foot and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't time for me to go back working. But anyway, I've seen a role came up in Daniels and Mallow as a checkout worker. And I literally... The C103 has... Go ahead, Terry. Sorry, I I, uh, I took the role in as a as a checker worker because I said, look, it was less demanding. I was off my foot. It was going to heal properly, and I was out and about earning an income and stuff like that. Now, when I when Paddy's Day came around in 2020, 2020 when COVID came about, 
um, they kind of suggested um, through the hospital that I took a bit of time off, thinking it was only going to be a couple of weeks with COVID because nobody knew yes. what was happening. It ended up being two and a half years because uh, September 2020, my kidney function started r- dropping really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know why. Um, it just went from 25% down to 12%, kind of re- varying in between 12 and 15%. So... Um, I certainly wouldn't have been going back to work. I was really now on the stages of getting all the tests done and things like that. Yes, yeah, yeah. So things were, things were accelerating faster than you'd planned. Accelerating faster, than, faster you than that they actually thought that they would be. Uh, so um, then while that was happening anyway, um, fair play, as I said to Danos, they kept my job for me. I'm back working there again. Um, my job was secure. That was great for me because at least I didn't have the pressure of knowing how am I going to pay my mortgage sure, sure, yeah. after everything, when everything. I didn't expect even to have the transplant that fast. But we'll get up closer to the transplant time. Um, after all the testing and everything was done, I had to go up to Beaumont, I had to go up to Vincent's in Dublin um, to just do all the testing up there and things like that. Um, then they um, I had to go up in, say... 2022, or it was the end of 2021, I had to go up and I found out then I was officially on the transplant list, yes. yeah. which was fantastic. Yeah. And the day I was coming back from there in Dublin, they actually rang me from CUH by telling me, look, um, your kidney function now is just 10% and we're thinking we need to start getting you for dialysis you were, prepared. You, you, were, you, were in, you were in serious, uh, serious uh, trouble. Uh, let's, 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 let's move it on though, William, yeah. to, to, the, to the transplant because Getting, getting the call, waiting You're for right. the call, yeah. and then the the, the 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 pancreas. When did that get added into the picture? So, well, the way they said it to me was, "Look, we're going to be opening you up. We can we can try the pancreas. Sometimes it works, sometimes it mightn't work. But you know, kill two birds with one stone. Really, right. if if the organs came up to me, they were going to do so, it. So no har- no harm if it didn't. No work, harm they were going to give it, it a go. It was, your, yeah. your sister offered you a kidney at some point. She did. She? Yes, my sister straight away, Rona. She was like, she was like, no, she's like, a, she, she's eight years older to the day to me. She's like a twin to me, to be honest. And we get on like a house on fire. And she was like, no. Um, she came up to me. I was painting my kitchen September 21 or whatever and I was going mental and she came up one day and she goes, I have to tell you something. And she was like, I'm giving you a kidney and there's no taking no for an answer and all this kind of stuff, you know. So we were both very emotional about it and I was like, I, it wasn't the route I wanted to go down because I was afraid if something happened to her then blah, you know. I know yeah. That's the way my head was thinking. But luckily it didn't go to that stage that I needed it that badly. Um, the way it worked in was I, in 2022 anyway, I got um, a phone call and it was my coordinator, Caroline, up in St. Vincent. Now, I had been told it could be months, it could be weeks. Due to my blood type, they said, look, you know, you have a, a rare, a rare blood type that you never know. It could be months, it could be weeks. I was yeah. kind of lucky of the blood type what, I had. What, what, what time did you get that call and how quick did, did you oh. get there? I got a phone call and I went that day, right? I had gone doing my bits of shopping and stuff like that. My plan for the evening was sitting on the edge of my bed watching television and doing a pile of ironing I had, right? That's how domestic I am. <laughs> but um, half five anyway, I got a phone call and it was Caroline and she said to me, uh, and I thought no, it was a normal checkup and she was like, 
hi Will and I was like oh hi Caroline blah 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 and she goes ah, we need you in Dublin and my literally my words were F off and she was like <laughs> she was like I, I, that's not the abbreviated version obviously of and I said that again and Caroline and Susie were on the other side of the phone the two coordinators that I dealt with who are absolutely were amazing to me um, they were like no no and I goes, I'm on my way. I literally grabbed docks, jocks, tracksuit pants, everything, <laughs> all into a suitcase. Now, they had told me to be prepared, and I wasn't, because I didn't think it was going to happen. You didn't think you, you, you thought so it like, would be forever. Yeah, yeah. You, and then you had your surgery. I'm just conscious of, 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 oh, time, yeah. of time here. Yeah. What's so I got really, on the train, and got to Dublin that yeah, night. Yeah. Four hours later, I was in the hospital, sitting on the edge of the bed. No, no, nothing attached to me or nothing like that. My sister came in the train with me and everything. Nothing attached to me in the hospital bed. I was just sitting there until three o'clock in the morning. They come in to me and they said, um, yes, the organs are viable. Um, we're able to use them. You're going down for surgery at seven. I walked down to the theatre. My sister walked down with me. She was bawling her eyes out. I was fine. And then I was in the operating theatre for about 12 hours. Um, and I came out. I was walking the next day. And uh, pancreas worked straight away. I haven't had insulin since the day of my transplant. Fantastic. Kidney worked. I had a couple of issues with the kidney. I had to get, I had a bleed a few days later. I had to go back in surgery. A few months later, I had to get it rewired because the vessels were narrowing, which I knew about. All these complications they tell yeah. you about, which but, can happen. But you're not diabetic anymore. I'm and not diabetic. I am f- as healthy as anything. Good for you. I have loads of energy in me. And uh, it's like down to my donor. I'd, I'll never be able to repay that family. Like, his, he lost his life. I know it was a male. He lost his life, you know. And, like, then, oh, what it does for people. Like, I was literally, I had no future. I had no hope. Do you know what I mean? I see a future now. Like, I was living day by day, and I was like, whatever, you, you, you know. Were, you were going rapidly downhill health I was going downhill that this, I was on the road. Whoever, yeah, whoever this, this person, person was. Yeah, you're here. Like, it's so important. Yeah. Like and and you're anxious. Donor. You're anxious to urge people, will you? I said this Big at time. the very start. I, I've always said, if I'm if I'm dead in the morning, whatever's working, take it. Yeah. I, I I think more people feel like that than used to. But you'd be asking people to become a donor and have that conversation with your family. It's so important. It really is. Like for me, like I have a life now which I wasn't expecting to have. Like, I have a future. Like, there's people out there like me that it's just it's just amazing. Like, I really thought I was going to be dead now, like, this time. Now, this time, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's amazing. Well, if you like, hadn't gotten that call in 2022, it, Lord knows really, where you'd be yeah. now. I sh- if I didn't get that call, I, I sh- if I wasn't, if I'm not on dialysis now, I would be really, really weak, I'm, I'm only eight, nine stone anyway, so I'm like a thin build. I'm small, ginger little fella, like so. There's no muscles on me or anything. But like the thing is, you can't you can't kill gingers anyway, you know. But look, it's it's just what being a donor could do for people. Like if anyone knows me, they know me as a very positive person. As is, and if well, anyone well, asks that, me, that, I, that oozes from you. That that seems to radiate from your your every word, your positivity. Williams, William, I'm I'm going to leave it there no for no bother. reason other than thank you for talking to me. I'm sure we could have talked for much more. But the thing is, if people the main are thing even is people have, be a donor. Yeah. Think just get the card. Like see what you can do. You don't know one of your family members someday might need an organ and. By just having that card, it's saving someone's life. Yeah, and, and uh, do, do you like the new law, William? Where unless you say I don't want to be a donor, we all are. 
if you asked me before, I wouldn't have even thought about it. But for, since I'm after going through the whole thing, I would really think it's a fantastic idea. Because, like, when someone loses a person, they just did... You know, it's hard at that time for them to decide of Correct. their loved one. Correct. But, like, if the person had decided that they want to opt in on it, you know, please, please, if you can do it, or if you don't have an organ card, donation card really consider it strongly because it could be one of your family members that might need it like myself. Can I recommend a song to you before I let you go? You you? can indeed. It's by my friend Andy Dunn. You'll find him on Spotify. Look up the song Living Proof and have a listen to it. I certainly will. Do that. He he wrote it about his own transplant. William Mills, thank you very, very much. Be a donor, for goodness sake. If if, If you're finished with it, someone else can use it. Never forget that. 0818 96 96 96. Get yourself a donor card. If you just look... Google kidney donor card, it'll all come up for your organ donor card, it'll all come up for you. I can never understand. And people have tried to convince me as to why they would not want to be donors. I can't. I just can't get my head around why someone wouldn't want to do it. Join the conversation. Really at the business end of Premier League now and Premier League live back this Saturday at 96event.ie with Trevor Welsh, powered up by Talk Sport. Live coverage this Saturday, Spurs against Brentford. That's half past 12. Bournemouth versus Man U at three. And Nuts Forest against Arsenal at half past five. Three big games involving three big names. Six big names, really. Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie if you don't have the app yet. Well, why don't you have the app yet? Get, get it now! Get it now. We have a giveaway for you all this week. Second last day of it. We've had a lot of fun and your knowledge of 90s, noughties music played backwards is very good. This one is the easiest, I think, of the week. So far, tickets for the biggest 90s noughties disco at the INEC in Killarney, Cork's 96 event, presenting that event on Saturday, May 27th. Tickets at biggestdisco.com. A chance for you and three of your mates to go if you can tell me what is this tune that I'm playing backwards. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. We had good fun yesterday. Poor Vic in the newsroom got swooped on by a crow on Wellington Road, and we figured out what was going on. It was nothing sinister. The crow was protecting its young, but we had loads of calls and texts and stories like crows stealing sandwiches on a golf course, and and just brilliant. James from the boys and girls of Knocker, what the the this crow was it living in a bread van or what? No, no, he just landed in there, PJ. What I was took the... that video a couple of years ago. What happened? And, um, no, we were just sitting there. I think we were part... I think it was in Clonakilty. I can't quite remember where it was. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the back of the bread van was open, and the next thing he just flew in there, and he started picking away at the bread. I think he damaged about two or three loaves. Right. But he managed to open one. He pulled a full slice of bread out, and he just gorged it at the back of the van. It was actually hilarious. To be honest Hang on. He tore open a slice pan. He, put, he, he, he packed about three or four of them. Yeah, and one he got open, and he took in the video. You can see it. He take out, he takes out a whole slice of bread, and and then starts eating it on the pan. Do you know what I mean? 
you know, no F given like sat there like and, you know, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, because I remember meeting you one morning. Um, you were driving a bed van. You were working That's with Pat right. the Baker at the time, yeah. Yeah, they were the opposition. I took the video on purpose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop! That's gas. Well, he... I know it was very good, though. Well, where, where I live out now, there's a couple of crows. You know, or there's a couple of buzzards. I don't know. I sent pictures into Fergal. Yeah. That's how I got onto this one. And the crows actually attacked the buzzards. Right. Did, did Fergal show those photos? Yeah, no? he showed. Sure. Is that what they, is that? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, the buzzards. But they're actually so intelligent. Because st- I've seen a few. You know, they actually stay above the buzzards. You never see them underneath. You know. Right. That they know what they're at. They know what the business side is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, yeah, they're amazing creatures. To be fair, like you said, yeah, very, very highly intelligent crows. In fairness, one, you know. You you do a bit of bird photography as well as any other kind of photography. I do. Yes, I do. I do. It's a fabulous do, picture. Is it a chuff you have? A red billed chuff? Is that your that, picture? Um, no, is, is it? Um, it could be. Do you know what? No, Fergal, it could be. It's yeah. So many pictures. There's a picture. It's a fabulous, fabulous picture. Yeah. But this is the fellow who used to come into the back of the van and rob bread from the slice pan. Take the bread, yeah. But we, we like, uh, being a bread man, that was the one thing we used to do, especially down around um, uh, Crosshaven. Know the centre in Crosshaven? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, unbelievable. I tell you, no, man. When you, the minute you pull up in the van, there'll be hundreds around you. We'll have to lock the van. <laughs> they nearly open the van and get in. <laughs> James, thank you. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. The, 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 the crow stories were just piling in all day yesterday. All right, who did the, yeah, let's, 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 let's do this, shall we? Now, I reckon it was the easiest one of the week. Greg, you got it straight off. I did, PJ. Yeah, fairness, great, great track. What is By it? great artist. What is it? This year's love. Yes, let's see, but David Gray. This year's love it. Yep. Now you were a big fan. You were a fan before the rest of us knew anything about this fella. Well, yeah, I suppose it was. I was just saying to Emer there um, offline. Myself and two of my pals, we'd done an old road trip back in the early days. Yeah. And uh chap by the name of Bernard Griffin, he might be listening. But he had David Gray on a tape at the time before he ever hit it big time. I don't know where he got it. Right. And we listened to David Gray for about three days in the car travelling the country. It was fantastic. And you'd no idea who he was? This just your mate had the tape in the car and the tape in the car. That doesn't yeah. tell you how long ago it was, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I can't even remember now where the buddy got it, like. But he had him on tape and his was fantastic music. Yeah. It is, really, PJ. Well, look, White, White Ladder is just an extraordinary album. Did, yeah, have you, have you, yeah. Did you get to see him live since? No, 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 really? no, no, never not. Crikey. It's a treat. It's a treat if you ever do get that chance. Greg, you are off to the biggest disco at the INEC with you and three of your mates. Bring, bring Mr. Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> if he's listening, yeah, I'm sure he'll be on to me shortly. <laughs> Take care. You're a winner, you're a winner today with the biggest disco. The 90s, not his disco. Uh, David Gray, this year's Love the Song. Greg Hamilton taking away the tickets. Here. One more opportunity for you to do that tomorrow. Have I anything else to do? Oh, yeah. I want to find out for tomorrow what modern word, like boardroom language, drives you scatty. They say the most, the one that most people hate the most is going forward. I want your one for tomorrow. Also, we've loads of people offering help to Kenneth. We'll get that grass sorted. We'll absolutely get Harry's garden sorted for him. Um, and thanks to everyone who's contacting us to, to, to see if they can 
and get involved. That's why that's why it's great to do this job. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Thank you for your loyalty. We actually bought a radio just to listen to you because we know music. Your heartfelt honesty. I want to thank yourselves without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is and it wouldn't have gone anywhere. And your absolute comedy. What are you looking forward to for the summer? Get up to a bit of the whale watching up around the north side or something. <laughs> <laughs> whale watching up the north side? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be shot, lad. <laughs> I have to praise you like I should. The latest radio ratings are out, and we want to say a massive thank you for listening. 231,000 people listen to Cork's 96 FM and C103 every week. Source JNLR Ipsos MRBI 2023 1. Thank you for listening to Cork's 96FM. Hashtag Choose Radio.